0: Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, real-life stories, redeemed, restored, retold. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and thanks for hanging out with us today. This podcast is brought to you by Redemption Press, where we train new and aspiring authors to glorify God with the written and spoken word. Well, today you all are going to be meeting Redemption Press author, Renee Marini, and I wanna share a few fun things about her, and then you can check out her full bio down below in the show notes. But let me just say, I love the fact that this little spitfire headed out to Zambia 18 years ago, thinking it was your typical three-week missions trip, and here she and her husband sal are all these years later serving god in this very same place and that just seems consistent with the woman that i know her to be spunky fearless just wanting to obey god's call so welcome to the podcast renee it is Wonderful to have you on with us for our debut show of Project Redemption.
1: Thank you, Athena. I'm very honored and blessed
0: to be here. Amen. Well, Renee, I would love for you to paint a picture for our listeners of what the call of God on your life looks like in just everyday life. Who has God called to minister to? How does that play out? God called us
1: originally to start a clinic on the farm in Zambia, Africa. And when I say on the farm, I'm talking about a new foreign ministry that was being developed by our church by the name of Sons of Thunder. And the missionary that was there at the time named named it, penned it Sons of Thunder. And so our original call and when we left, we went to start a clinic and we went to start a clinic one step at a time. So we started with one room. And to this day, 18 years later, we now have an entire medical complex and we have a outpatient clinic. We have a freestanding lab. We have a six bed maternity center. And we just completed a 12-bed inpatient facility. We also have six staff houses because in Zambia, whenever you hire a nurse or a professional clinical officer, you have to provide housing. And so we have six staff houses and we have three vehicles because we do transport uh of women in labor, and we do outreaches—ten outreaches to different areas—and we also uh, do home care when we're called. Um, and so, um, that's medical. But remember, I said that was the original call. Right. So over time, God also told us to raise the standard and feed a nation. And we weren't really sure what that meant, but raise the standard meant uh, raise the standard of living, raise the standard of medical care. And so we have uh, progressed into many areas. For example, there are 80 families now living on the farm, living and working on the farm. We have a primary school grades one to seven. We have two preschools. We have a daycare center we have a sewing center we have a conference center we have um, uh, two churches on the property and we have uh, many church plants in the surrounding communities Um, we have uh, farming Uh, we use a conservation type farming that god brought called farming god's way And we raise fruits and vegetables and moringa and sunflower and maize. And we have a maize mill so that we can grind the maize into Mealy Meal, which is uh, like a corn meal that they make uh, their staple food Shima out of. And so we have a whole business center with uh, a sales office and, and supply room where we we sell to the community, and we even have little outreaches in the community uh, for, for sales. And so it has definitely, that's that's part of Feed the Nation. Uh, right, it, right. Uh, it has definitely progressed.
0: So your part, do you like just bounce around in a, a number of different areas, or do you have a, an area that you are mostly involved with?
1: At this At this time, after 18 years, um, Sal is still at the clinic. He's still with the medical. He's still training. We do have uh, 10 professionals, 14 clinical assistants, drivers. We have a whole staff, but he is still um, overseeing that area. So he's all medical. And that's that's quite a challenge. And myself, I'm over everything else. And I have been raising up leaders in all the different areas. There's somebody to handle the conference center. There's somebody to handle the, the uh, daycare. There's somebody to handle the sales office and the sales. And there's somebody to handle the planting and, and you know agriculture. We also have fish and chicken. And there's somebody in those areas. And, wow. and so um, uh, I have been training up the head the one man that's going to take over um he's one of the directors we've m- made him a director we've made two directors uh, two zambians directors one is alexander and one is abel and so alexander is the one that has been raised up from the beginning and he's me so he he oversees everything nice. and uh There's an accounting office and bookkeeping and all that. And so it's a very, it's like a little town.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) I love that. What, who knew? Who knew? That that was what God was going to do. I love that. So I wouldn't have went. I would have been (laughs) too scared to go. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Okay. So we're going to like move into uh, kind of the first segment, your redemption story. Tell us just a little bit about how God got a hold of your life.
1: Well, um, for 40 years of my life, I was a practicing Catholic, and I got married before going to uh, before finishing college. I graduated as a registered nurse. Uh, we had three sons, and I worked in different nursing positions over all those years through all those years when i turned 40 i had out of control teenage sons that had me looking for answers Mm. from man so i was looking at answers with counseling i was looking uh, for answers with uh, outpatient rehab uh, police school authorities i was looking everywhere for for answers. And it's around that time that my best friend said to me, I'm putting my son in a church camp. Why don't you do the same and put your son in in the camp? And I said to myself, you know what? I have tried everything else. Why not God? (laughs) And so I enrolled him in the church camp and just one son, I enrolled him in the church camp. And the next night I went to make sure that I had made a good decision, that they were preaching. Okay. And they had an open meeting in the evening. And so I went with my friend and it was during that service that I actually felt like I had found the help I was looking for. Like this is where he belonged. And right at that time, they had an altar call and I started with tears coming out of my eyes and my friend looked at me and said, you should go. And I said, yes. And I, I went to the altar. I knelt and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and savior. And the best part Athena was my son knelt down right next to me oh. and accepted Jesus as a savior at the same time. And that one small decision has turned out to be the biggest and the most important decision of my entire life. Wow. And I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Okay. Because it says in God's word, he who hears God, he who belongs to God, hears what God says. And if you don't belong to God, if you don't hear what God says, it means you don't belong to God. I think that's in John 8, 47. He who belongs to God hears what God says. If you don't hear what what God says, it's because you don't belong to God. And so that for me, I realized that once I made the decision to accept Jesus as my savior, I can hear his voice mm. because I belong to his family. I belong to him and his sheep hear his voice. Yep. And so, and they follow him. And so I, for the next eight, the next, well, it's been 26 years since I've been saved. And so over that time, one step at a time mm-hmm. learning how to hear his voice many different ways mm-hmm. but that was crucial
0: amen and what a difference that what makes a difference. in your and life I mean. when you surrender and he i mean cuz you know being catholic you can think you're you you got it you got you're good mm-hmm. and god showed you no here there's a there's another step here and yes. uh, i love that So, okay, I want to kind of shift a little bit and ask you, what is the one way, and I'm sure there's been lots of different circumstances that you could share, but tell us about one time when you've seen God bring restoration within a circumstance that you've had since becoming a believer.
1: Well, you're right, there's been many. Okay, but the one I'll tell you about is uh, when we went to Zambia, we found a dying nation. Mm-hmm. We found a nation that was inundated with HIV okay. and AIDS and uh, people walking around with uh, opportunistic infections like TB uh, people so weak and weak in conditions with their immune system that they, uh, they didn't know they had HIV. They were just losing weight. They were malnourished. So there was malnutrition, uh, due to undetected HIV with their immune systems due to traditional herbs that the grandmas would use. Mothers were dying. And so the infant had nobody to feed the infant. And so, um, Man's answers was to raise up orphanages, and so there were many orphans at the time. It was, it was something. It was a, a dying nation. Uh, I think the life expectancy that that time was 40, and somewhere around 40. And so, it was it was difficult. And so, as people started to come out of hiding with HIV, and we started doing our clinical stuff, our medical care, um, we found we wanted to get HIV patients, the antiretroviral drugs, which are called ARVs. And the only place they had ARVs um, was the hospital that was 20 or 30 minutes away by vehicle. And so people, people in the communities and in the villages that were so sick had no way to get there. And they were they were free they were free antiretroviral treatment um, and it had been donated from gates foundation and boston university and all different kinds of places um and so but you had to get there and so we decided to provide transport my husband being paramedic you know he he started with the land rover picking people up telling people on thursdays we will go get medicine and so he would pick people up and we would go to the free outpatient clinic at the hospital and so the problem with that was that they didn't have doctors at the clinic they only had clinical assistants which are like physician's assistants and sometimes they showed up and sometimes they didn't so after getting the patient there and, and sometimes we'd go home without being seen and so it was very frustrating But Sal and I found uh, another option. We found a place called Fast Track. So Fast Track Clinic was a place where if you paid, you got to see a doctor, you got to see the pharmacist and you got your medicine. So we started taking our very sick people from the villages into this Fast Track place uh, and paying for them. And then they would see the patient, the, the doctor and the pharmacist and go home. So, We started with one patient in the Land Rover and we ended up on another Thursday after many, many weeks, we ended up with a full Land Rover and then we decided we had to go to a lorry. And so then we started taking a lorry truck in. Well, when we took the patients in the lorry truck to fast track, they started to become overwhelmed. And so they complained to the hospital administrator. And so I was called into the hospital administrator's office and I was told, I'm sorry, you can't take your patients to fast track anymore. You have to go back to that free outpatient clinic. I already knew the problems at that clinic. So I was very frustrated and very angry. And when I get angry and frustrated, the tears, they come. Mm-hmm. And so I started to well up. And so I quickly got out of his office and I was heading to the door. And by the time I reached the door, the sobs were there and they wouldn't stop. And so I was outright fully crying at, at the door as a man, a stranger was trying to enter into the office. And so, um, he saw me and he said, "Madam, what's the matter? What's, what's, what's the problem? And so, because he asked at just the right time, I was ready to pour out my heart, so I did. I poured out the whole story to this stranger. And Athena, it turned out that that stranger was the district medical officer over HIV care in all of Kazangula District, which is the district we were under. Wow. And so because of that one scenario, that one meeting, that one conversation, we became an official ART treatment center. So that meant that at Sons of Thunder at our clinic, we had all of the antiviral medications available. And so our patients no longer had to go to the hospital. They could come right to the clinic. And then it didn't end there. We, we would see the patients in the clinic on on Thursday, we would still go pick them up. We would bring them in the lorry to our center, our clinic, and we would treat them all. We would give them some food. We would pray for them. We would have a a meeting and then we would drive them back home, take them back to their bus stop. And so um, when it got to the point that we were having to do a second lorry full of people, we decided this is not going to work. This is only going to get worse and worse and worse. And so we decided to take the medicines to the, the villages, to the outreach villages, to where the people lived. And so there were four weeks to a month on average. And so we picked four sites, other clinics that we started taking HIV medicine to, to, um, to their sites on Fridays. So Thursday was in our clinic, Fridays we went out, had ART clinic in the other clinics. And over the years, it just grew and grew. And so now we have over 1,100 people on HIV medicine, living with HIV, healthy, working, Mothers, mothers no longer dying in childbirth, orphans no longer being made.
0: Wow. And just, and to think, you know, the door was shutting and it made no sense and God brought just the right perfect person. At just the right time. The right time. Oh my goodness. I love that. Okay. Okay. So we, are, and and that's just one story. I mean, I'm sure you have a gazillion stories <laughs> like that of God just showing up and showing off and allowing your obedience to be fruitful because you were willing, no matter what, and even to, you know, cry ugly tears to someone <laughs> you didn't even know to explain what, what this challenge was. I love that. Okay, so we are going to jump into um, the final segment of the show, which is where I would like for you to retell your story of your book what's the basic story of the book and because we want to make sure if people are listening they want to get a copy so tell us about that after many
1: years in 2018 i heard god say write the story and i said what story and uh Took me a while, but after after I figured out the story that he wanted me to write, I said, okay. And so in 2019, when I came home on furlough, I bought a desk, I bought a printer, and I said, okay, I'll write when when the, the time is finished. And I was showing him my small step of faith. And I, then I went on furlough, I'm still on furlough. I took my granddaughter shopping and she wanted for her birthday, and she wanted a book from Barnes and Noble. And so I drove to Barnes and Noble and we parked and we went into Barnes and Noble. She bought her book. And on the way out, I happened to look up over one of the displays and in big bold letters, it said right now. And so I knew, oh my gosh, that's for me. I'm supposed to write now. And so when I got back to Zambia in 2019, not knowing how the heck to write a book, not knowing what to do. I started looking at all the journal entries over the years, all the blog posts, the Facebook posts, and doing research. And then um, I watched an online sermon from a pastor here in Maryland because by that time in 2019, we were starting to be able to watch online services. And so... He had a series he was starting called 10 Lessons for a Life of Significance. And so I was captivated by the first session. And after the the full series, I felt I had my framework of how to, to write the book. And so I started. And in 2020, during the pandemic, when no planes were flying and no tourists were coming and no mission teams were allowed in, I snuck away. To the Zambezi River, to a quiet place, and I wrote the, the the book. And then I didn't know what to do with it. I started looking at the websites and you know publishing companies, and I found Redemption Press's website. And I was stirred with the uh, openness of it. The uh, it seemed very friendly to first time authors and it it felt right and i sent my manuscript i decided to send the manuscript to redemption press and they accepted it now who did i write it for i wrote it to be obedient to god yep. it was not my idea and i don't even know i didn't know what his what his reason for me writing the book was and I still don't, you know, it, it'll play out one step at a time. Right. But the message for the book, the message I believe is for the book, is that God can use anybody. You do not have to be anything special. He uses ordinary, everyday people to fulfill his plan and his purpose for your life. Okay. And- he heard the prayers and the cries of a dying nation and he loves us all. And so he sent many people, not just Sal and I, but he sent every day ordinary, nothing special people to be his hands and his feet and to to answer his
0: his call and to just by hearing and obeying I love that. When, so when your reader, that person, they've got your book, they've gotten through it, when they get to the last page, what is it that you want them to walk away with?
1: I want them, first of all, to see God. I hope that whoever reads that book sees God and sees all the amazing things he can do with people who belong to him, hear him, obey him. Nothing special, just everyday ordinary people. That they that they too can hear God, that they too can be used by God.
0: And have a life of significance. Amen. Amen. Well, my friend, this has been delightful. If we have some people out there that want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you online?
1: Facebook, Renee Marini. It's also for Sons of Thunder. And there is a website for Sons of Thunder if they want to look at the the ministry. It's uh, www.sotzambia.com
0: wonderful well let me just say it is so i love every time i hear your story and every time i hear you tell different parts of it i'm just captivated with how faithful our god is to just you know you said well huh i I guess i could try that you know i mean on a fling almost you try god and see if this might work and look what he did with that i Love that well thank you my friend god bless your ministry and may he just continue to um, allow you to serve in that way that has just been life-changing for many so thank you for your work thank you
1: athena thank you for having me thank you for giving me this opportunity i pray that god uses it to reach many many people
0: Thanks for joining us today and while you're thinking about it, take a moment to rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen on. That way our episodes end up higher in the algorithms and that's how people find us. So this is Athena Dean Holtz with Project Redemption and we will see you next week. Bye for now. Do you realize words have power in building up the Kingdom of God? And part of the equation in building the kingdom is enlarging your reach so those who need to read or hear your message are able to. Attend a She Writes for Him virtual event to learn how to reach your audience. Visit SheWritesForHim.com for all the details.